Welcome to the Avoiding Divorce Podcast. My name is Steve and I want to welcome you to and thank you for listening to today's episode. Just a quick reminder, we do have a email address, avoidingdivorce at gmail.com. That's avoidingdivorce at gmail.com. Please feel free to email us. Let us know about your situation or if you have any comments or questions feel free to email them to that to that address and we will um, take that under consideration for future podcasts that's avoiding divorce at gmail.com and once again thanks for listening welcome to episode 19 of the avoiding divorce podcast i'm your host steve want to once again take a moment to thank the listeners of this podcast and thank those of you that have emailed the show either with suggestions or your own story or with uh, questions. Uh, Very helpful. Always good to hear from those of you that are listening to the podcast. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different, especially in the first segment. We're going to go back and kind of summarize what the avoiding divorce podcast advocates for what a left-behind spouse should or should not be doing when they find themselves in a situation where their walkaway spouse has come to them and said that they either want a divorce or that they're not in love with them anymore, some, some variation on that theme. It's been nearly three years since I published the first episode of this podcast. And as I said at that time, it was really a response to my own situation and looking for a podcast that dealt specifically with what I was dealing with. I could find plenty of podcasts on dealing with divorce, going through divorce. I could find plenty of podcasts that talked about reconnecting in your marriage and, and working with your spouse to make your marriage better, but I found very little in the way of how to deal with the situation where your spouse has come to you and made it known that they no longer want to be married to you and how you should react to that, the things that you should do, shouldn't do, things that worked, things that didn't work. So I set out on a journey to discover the best approach, the best behaviors, the best actions that a left-behind spouse could take in just such an event. And what I stumbled upon was um, various experts that talked about, you know, the worst thing that you could, the worst things you could do, um, some of the things you should focus on. And I kind of coalesced all of that advice and that's what the impetus for this podcast was really about was trying to help a left behind spouse do things that maximized their chances of saving their marriage rather than doing the things that further pushed their spouse away once their spouse had made it known that they no longer wanted to be married And so what I really built the podcast around was what I, at the time, called a three-pronged approach. 
and that was going out and recapturing the life that you had before you were married before before you maybe even dated your spouse um the second one was to go on a journey of self-discovery and self-improvement and become the best version of yourself that you could be. And the third one was learning how to be happy by yourself. And so I want to summarize each of those for you briefly again. Um, hopefully this will be helpful for those of you that haven't listened to episode one and then the following episodes in quite a while. Um, because sometimes we just need to be reminded about the behaviors that are going to help and the behaviors that aren't going to help. And so the first thing that you should do is obviously remove all focus from your walkaway spouse, take away all pressure and pursuit from them, back off and give them time and space. And the best way to do that is to focus on yourself. And I believe that this three-pronged approach really helps you focus on yourself rather than focusing on your walkaway spouse and focusing on uh, trying to save your marriage and the problems in your marriage. So, of course, the first one is recapturing the life that you had before you were married. I've said it many times on this podcast that if you do what comes naturally after you've heard the words, I don't I want a divorce or I don't want to be married anymore from your spouse. If you were that person that you almost become immediately upon hearing those words, when you first met your spouse, more than likely your spouse wouldn't have stuck around long enough to marry you. If you think about it, nobody wants somebody who is clingy, who is pouty, who is sad. And so this first prong of this approach of recapturing the life you had before you were married is really about rediscovering the person you were that excited and attracted your spouse to you to begin with. To really recapture that life that you had that made you somebody that was high value to your spouse, that made them excited to want to see you, to want to know you, to want to um, learn more about you. And so there was something exciting there, something attractive there um, that was way more than just the physical. And that's one of the things that you can focus on is to try to get back to being that person, that individual. Now, obviously, there's some things that you should avoid. Obviously, you're not a single person anymore, so I'm not in any way suggesting you go out and start dating, start trying to meet members of the opposite sex, uh, going to clubs, those sorts of things. That's, that's not the behavior I'm encouraging you to engage in. But what were the hobbies that you had when you first met your spouse? What were the things that excited you? What were the things that you spent time and money and energy on? Um, maybe there are friends that you had uh, back then that are no longer in your life. And so same-sex friends that you can reconnect with and that were part of your life when you first met your spouse, 
that maybe have kind of fallen along the wayside as you've gone. Um, so, you know, focusing on old hobbies, old activities, old friendships, those are really some of the ways that you recapture that life you once had. And it allows you to focus on that being the, the main thing that keeps you busy rather than sitting and stewing and thinking about your situation and trying to think of ways to convince your spouse to stay. Of course, the second prong of that goes along with that, and that is self-improving. And so one of the ways that you self-improve is by recapturing that life that you once had. But more than likely, there's improvements that you can make um, that go even above and beyond um, just recapturing the life that you once had. There's very few people in this world who are perfect. Um, and when I say very few, I mean next to none. And even if you were a really good partner, a really good spouse, there doesn't mean that there's not areas of your life that you can improve on. One of the, the low-hanging fruit that I always tell left-behind spouses is think about something like if you have kids, you can always become a better parent. You can always spend more time with your, your children. You can always uh, engage in family activities with just you and your kids um, that maybe you, you've kind of gotten lax on. doesn't mean you're a bad parent. It just means that you can be a better parent. You can be a better friend. Um, you can be a better church member. You can. There's so many areas in your life that you can improve on. And it's really important to start focusing on becoming the best version of yourself that you can be during this time. I've, I've often said that in some ways your spouse has done you a favor, especially if you were like me in my situation where I'd become just a terrible, miserable human being. And now I had this opportunity to wake up to myself and to become a better man and a better version of who I was. And that's really the kind of the opportunity that you should be looking at here with the second prong of self-improving and becoming the best version of yourself that you can be. And one of the other things that I would encourage you to do is, is find a good individual counselor and in getting to get into individual counseling. Um, that does two things. Number one, it helps you organize how to become a better person. It gives you a unbiased third party to help you become a better person. But it also sends a clear message to those that are in your life, in your life that you're serious about being the best version of yourself that you can be. And when I say those that are in your life, that includes your walkaway spouse. Now, word of caution here. You should never do any of these things, including becoming the best version of yourself in an effort to convince your spouse of anything or to convince them to stay in the marriage. Your motivation should be purely to become the best version of yourself that you can be for yourself and those around you. But one of the side benefits of, of individual counseling 
is it does send a clear message to those that are in your life that you're serious about your changes, that you want to make your changes permanent, and that you're not simply doing uh, things or, or trying to become a better version of yourself simply to manipulate your spouse back to the marriage. If they take notice of the changes you're making, if they take notice of the fact that you're serious about it and that causes them to want to stay, fine, perfect. That's a great side benefit. But that certainly should not be the thrust of why you're trying to become the best version of yourself that you can be. But again, this second prong of, of this approach really gives you something to focus on and it's focusing on yourself to become the best version of, of yourself that you can be. And it takes time and money and energy to do that. Read as many books as you can. Watch as many uh, TED Talks and online videos as you, as, as you can. Um, one book recommendation that I will highly give is Michelle Wiener Davis's Divorce Busting. Um, read her books around divorce busting and you'll see that many of the things that I advocate on this podcast have root in the writings and the videos of Michelle Wiener Davis. And then the final prong of this approach is learning to be happy by yourself. This is a skill that married people sometimes lose, and especially we, we forget about it when we hear the words from our spouse that they want out of the marriage or they want a divorce. Suddenly we, we have our happiness wrapped up in this other individual. And as I've said before on this podcast, we live in a very imperfect world. And there's death, disease, accident, tragedy that happens all around us every day. Our spouse could be taken out of our, out of our lives at any moment. And what that means is, is that we now have to learn how to be happy by ourselves. Well, essentially that's what's happened after we've heard the words, I want a divorce or I don't want to be married anymore from our spouse, is our spouse is being removed from our life and we need to learn how to be happy by ourselves again. It's extremely important from so many different aspects that this is one of the focuses that we put um, after we've heard from our spouse that they don't want to be married anymore, that we put around ourselves is how do I become happy by myself? I can't control what my spouse is doing. I can't control whether they, they stay or go. But I can control my reaction to it. And so therefore, we really need to be looking at how do I get to a place as quickly as I can where I can be happiest being on my own again. Now, the beauty of these prongs is they all go together. I think I referred to it before as a, a stool with three legs. And those three legs really work together. Because if you think about it, going out and recapturing the life you once had, 
learning to become the best version of yourself that you can be, and then learning how to be happy by yourself, they all kind of work together. You can use going out and recapturing the life you once had, and you can use self-improving and some of the tactics I mentioned uh, when I was talking about that as a way to learn how to be happy by yourself. And individual counseling, I think, is another huge action that you can take in learning to be happy by yourself. So that, again, goes across those two prongs, self-improving, learning to be happy by yourself, um, and can have benefits to you in both of those efforts. But one of the things that I really encourage left-behind spouses to avoid is the belief that they can never be happy unless they convince their spouse to stay. I can't tell you how untrue of a thought that is. It's a thought that happens almost immediately to a left-behind spouse once their walkaway spouse has said they want out of the marriage. In order to be happy, I have to save this marriage. You need to avoid that thinking. You will be happy again. You can be happy again. And it doesn't involve your spouse. And in fact, putting that much pressure on another individual that they are now responsible for your happiness, I think is one of the most unloving, cruel things we can do to people around us. And I also go back to what I said earlier in this segment, is if you were that person at the beginning of your relationship with your spouse, when you first met them, where they now are solely responsible for your happiness, they probably would run the other way screaming because that's not an attractive trait. And it's not something that anyone wants to have on their shoulders. It's hard enough to be responsible for our own happiness, let alone to be responsible for somebody else's happiness. So that's a quick recap of the basis of the avoiding divorce approach to trying to save your marriage. It really is about focusing on yourself, concentrating on these three prongs, and really making them the focus of what you're going to do in your life not only for the next few days, next few weeks, next few months, but really for the rest of your life. One of the things I probably haven't done as well on this podcast as I should have is that these tactics, these things that are advocated on this podcast are really things that you need to make a permanent part of your life moving forward. You should never stop avoiding divorce. From the, from the moment you decide to commit to making these three things the focus of your life, they should continue to be a focus of your life moving forward no matter what happens in your marriage. So hopefully this has been helpful to re-summarize this. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with a second segment of this episode. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Avoiding Divorce Podcast. I'm your host, Steve. 
In segment two, we're going to talk about a subject that I probably haven't talked about as much as I should have to this point in this podcast, and that is the topic of snooping on your spouse. The topic of snooping on your spouse is one that usually comes up fairly early uh, on after you've heard from your spouse that they no longer want to be married to you. We get all kinds of suspicions, we get all kinds of thoughts in our head, and we want to know what's going on. We want to know what is causing this. I've seen a lot of marriages where one spouse was walking away from the marriage and in many of them it was seemingly for no reason at all except maybe they had been fighting a lot not getting along as well as they used to maybe had drifted apart but the left behind spouse always wonders what the catalyst for this is usually the situation in the marriage has been what it is for a very long time and it's very difficult for the left behind spouse to accept the fact that the walkaway spouse has just grown tired of the of the whole situation and wants to move on with their life and in their defense the vast majority of the time the walkaway spouse has had some catalyst. Now, it might be rooted in the fact that the marriage hadn't been very good leading up to whatever the catalyst was that caused them to want to uh, step out of the marriage. But unfortunately, it's very unusual for a spouse to walk away from a marriage unless there is some reason, usually someone else, that has come into their life that they are now wanting to leave the marriage for. Um, I'm not going to put a percentage on it, but it's a pretty high percentage of the time that when one spouse walks away from the marriage, it's because they're already involved with somebody else, want to be involved with somebody else, or have the idea of being involved with somebody else in their mind. And so it's very difficult for the left-behind spouse to just accept the fact that the walkaway spouse is no longer happy and wants to move on with their life, and the left-behind spouse wants more concrete answers, wants more reasons why. And so that leads many of us as left-behind spouses to snoop on our walkaway spouse to try to find out what it is and who it is and and what it is that is causing them to make this decision suddenly even though it might have been building for a long period of time oftentimes a newly left behind spouse will ask the question should i snoop on my spouse and it's a good question because there are times I believe when snooping isn't necessarily snooping as much as it is intelligence gathering. Uh, 
or learning as much about your situation as you possibly can. Now, I want to caution you. Even if snooping is more in the category of intelligence gathering or learning as much as you can about your situation, you have to be careful that it doesn't become the focus of your actions after you've heard from your spouse that they want out of the marriage. What I mean by that is, I just in the first segment of this episode talked about the three-prong approach to avoiding divorce of learning to or recapturing that life you once had, uh, becoming the best version of yourself that you can be through self-improvements, and learning to be happy by yourself. Those should be the focus of where you put your time and energy and money after the divorce bomb has been dropped by your walkaway spouse. If snooping gets to the point where that's all you're focused on, that's all you're obsessing about, that's all you can think about doing, then you're probably putting too much focus on your situation and on your spouse than you should be. But at the same time, I think it is important to know what we're up against. And so some intelligence gathering, I think, can be okay in the frame of avoiding divorce as long as the left-behind spouse can keep it in proper perspective, keep the proper priority around it, and not make it their sole focus after bomb day. So what is intelligence gathering? Well, like I said, I've seen a lot of of marriages where one spouse is walking away from the marriage. There's usually somebody else involved in those situations. And the left-behind spouse has resorted to a variety of behaviors in order to try to figure out what's going on. Snooping on their social media, snooping into their email, snooping into their electronic devices. I've seen that approach. I've seen the approach where they try to talk to as many people that know their spouse, whether those are co-workers, whether those are friends of their walkaway spouse, whether it's family members of their walkaway spouse, in order to try to gather as, as much information about what's really behind their spouse walking away from the marriage. And then I've also seen it go as far as left-behind spouses hiring uh, a professional, a um, private investigator or a private detective, a private eye to f- try to figure out who and what and why um, their spouse is pulling the plug on the marriage um, in, a, in what seems to be a sudden manner. I can't tell you that any of those are wrong for your situation, and I can't necessarily tell you that any of those are right for your situation. What I can tell you is that you have to be ready to be able to handle the truth. And what I mean by that is, is even though our spouse is walking away from us 
and potentially is even giving their time and affection to somebody else, that doesn't mean that they don't care about us. And it doesn't mean that they, they don't want to hurt us. So it's very possible that they are leaving out what's really going on with the real catalyst behind them walking away from the marriages to try to protect us from the truth. And that's why I say we have to really be ready or know that we are ready to be able to handle the truth and whatever that truth may be. And what I mean by that is that it's not going to set us back on practicing good avoiding divorce principles of taking the focus off of our spouse and off of our situation, putting the focus on ourselves, removing all pressure and pursuit from our spouse, focusing on the three prongs of the avoiding divorce approach. And no matter what the truth of our situation is, it should not be cause us to start doing the things that are going to push our spouse away quicker. It's very easy once we find out there's somebody else involved to want to do things like confront the third party. Terrible idea. Or to confront our spouse, but not confront them in a way that we should. And I'll get to that in a minute. And I've mentioned that on this podcast before. Um, or to fall back into unattractive, pathetic behaviors like begging, pleading, using logic, trying to guilt them into staying, outing their affair to friends, family, or church members. All of these behaviors that we shouldn't be engaging in sometimes come flooding to us as the way that we should approach it when we find out the truth as to why our spouse is walking away from the marriage. We have to be very careful that we remain in control, that, we're, that we remain committed to doing the things that are most likely going to have a positive effect on our situation. Now, one, one word of caution here. If you're trying to find out the truth because the idea of infidelity on your spouse's behavior is a, is a boundary, is a deal breaker that you're not willing to put up with, then I say by all means you should see that as intelligence gathering. What you're trying to decide in that case is whether or not you even want to save your marriage. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with having a deal breaker. And I, as I stated on this podcast before, we should have deal breakers that we will not put up with, that we will be willing to end the marriage ourselves over. And maybe for you, infidelity is one of those deal breakers. When you set out to find the truth, and if that truth is what you find, and that is a deal breaker for you, the word of caution I'm going to give you is you've got to be careful not to give up on your deal breaking um, in an effort to save your marriage at all costs. 
Because what you're essentially doing, as I've said on this podcast before, is you're essentially telling your your um, your walkaway spouse that uh, it's okay to cheat on them. It's okay for them to cheat on you because you're going to put up with it and try to stay with them anyway. So we, you know, we teach people how to treat us. So we have to be very careful that we're not sending the wrong messages. So if that's always been a deal breaker for you and you find out that your spouse has cheated on you and you don't stick to that deal breaker, that can have a detrimental effect on your marriage, even if you're able to save it. So it's, it's important to understand that more than likely there is something that your spouse is hiding from you and that when you find out that truth, you have to steal yourself so that you don't fall back into behaviors that aren't going to be helpful for you and your situation. So earlier when I was talking about there's a right way and a wrong way to confront your spouse once you do learn the truth. I want to get back to that quickly and I want to spend a lot of time on it because that's not the focus of this segment. But I wanted to at least say what I meant by that is when you do find out the truth and your spouse is involved with somebody else, you have to be very careful about letting them know what you know. I advocate an approach of telling your spouse if you're going to confront them, telling your spouse, I know what's going on. I know what you're doing. And leave it at that. They're going to ask a hundred questions. They're going to ask, what do you think you know? They're going to ask you how you know. You really have to avoid the temptation to, to give them too much information. If you're in a situation where you're gathering intelligence, learning as much about your situation as you can, and you play your hand too quickly, your spouse is going to shut down any avenue that you might have to, f to finding out more about what's going on. What I mean by that is, is, for instance, if you snooped on, say, their Facebook account, first thing they're going to do is change their Facebook password. Say, for instance, a friend of theirs that they thought was a confidant is the one that told you the truth. As soon as they find that out, they're going to cut that person out of their life or at least quit telling them things. So you have to be careful about what you let them know you know and how you know because if you're not done with your intelligence gathering at that point, the way that you got that information is probably going to be shut down from that point forward. And so you have to make sure that you're satisfied with what you know to that point. But I do think that it's important to realize that there are situations, and maybe yours falls into that, where finding out more is important to you. Maybe it's because it's a deal breaker for you and you need to decide whether you even want to try to save the marriage or whether you just want to know what you're up against. But again, please make sure you keep it in the right frame of, of reference in relation to avoiding divorce. And this is what I always tell people. If you can't 
do this if you can't keep snooping in its proper perspective, proper priority, proper place, then just don't engage in it at all. If there's not a deal breaker involved where if they're involved with somebody else, you're going to walk away yourself. If it's not going to change anything, then just don't participate in, in the activity of snooping because it's only going to set you back. Focus on yourself, focus on the avoiding divorce principles and move forward. If it will make a difference, then it could potentially fall into the realm of intelligence gathering. And in that case, you might have um, a reason that you need to do that intellig intelligence gathering. But be honest with yourself and don't don't try to trick yourself into saying it's more important than it is just so that you're justified in, in the snooping that you want to engage in and that it really is going to make a difference in how you approach your situation or whether you even try to save your marriage at all. So that is a, a quick synopsis of what I wanted to cover on snooping versus intelligence gathering. Um, hopefully that's been helpful to you. If you have further questions on that topic, feel free to email us at avoidingdivorce at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, or uh, just want to share your situation with us, then feel free to email us again at avoidingdivorce at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to today's episode, and as always, do whatever you can to avoid divorce. Thank you.